and welcome to Stationary Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford and joined as always by my friend and co-host, Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu, how's life in a different time zone over on the other side of the world today? Uh, but everybody's got jet lag. Nobody has got a clue what's going on. Um, it's fantastic for me because it means I can get up at stupid o'clock, which I have to because of Margaret's work. And it very quickly gets light and I can take the dogs out. Hurrah! Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, by about 5.30, uh, it's as black as night uh, and it feels very wintry, which is strange because it's not wintry at all. What about uh, beautiful sunny Canada? How are things there? Nothing has changed here. Uh, one of the no. mysteries of the world is that Europe moves the hour a week before North America does. Last year, I think it was three weeks. This year, it seems like it's one week, but it's stupid. So Stu and I last night had to refigure out our podcast scheduling because all of a sudden my time and his time are different. It's crazy. Uh, here it's cold. It is cold. We're getting down to lows of about minus eight this weekend. Stu. Next week, we've got the snow coming. It's, it's wintry again. I'm. I'm, uh, it's, it's nice though. Fall is nice. It's been a late fall. It's been pretty dry so far. I'm looking up at my big tree, waiting for the leaves to finally come and make a mess of my lawn. So I'm not sure which is going to come first. I think it'll be a rush between the leaves coming down and me trying to pick them up before they get snowed on, but we shall see what happens on the weekend. Cause who knows? It's crazy. All right, let's get into some follow-up. What's uh, what's what are you up to, Stu? Uh, well, I mean, I've been I've been fielding some uh, welcome feedback from the audience. Just that's what we call it, the audience, our people or our readers, if we're going to be pretentious. Oh. Yeah, it's from our readers. Feedback from the readers. Um, first of all, Lisa uh, tweeted. <laughs> she DM'd me and on Twitter to warn me the dangers of, of word macros. Apparently, these things are a fantastic way to spread malware. Which, uh, which I wasn't aware of. Um, obviously, as a Mac user, you probably wouldn't suffer much from it, but you can be a carrier, <laughs> she warned me. Um, so I did I did check with the client. Word is is the biggest malware of it all, isn't it? Anything from Microsoft. Well, I say, poor old Mr. Gates. Um, yeah, I do agree with you. But um, yeah, I did check with the client, and it was something they inherited, you know, two corporate takeovers ago or something. Um and she also gave me a little little guide towards Bear, which I know is an app that you use, uh, and I mm-hmm. certainly used to use um, as a as a notes app. Uh, Bear was doing a lot of the stuff that is now considered amazing quite a long time ago, uh, I seem to remember. Um, but also, I think most interesting, she sort of uh, she she had a word for RTF as a as an archiving format, as a text format. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you and I tend to go on about TXT or MD, and she was, you know, waving the flag for RTF, which is most mostly preserved, uh, with the possible exception of fonts. She wants, uh, and also uh, Jamie Dunn on Twitter, who uh, wants to send us some money uh, as a thank you for improving his health, uh, both physical and mental. Oh, uh, by having yeah, yeah, by having a slightly longer episode, uh, he had to walk the longer route to work. Uh, and thereby enjoyed a free, no charge was made, rain shower before he got to he, he got to the office. Uh, so you're you're very welcome, Jamie. Where uh, we aim to serve. 
Oh, poor Jamie. <laughs> I, it's okay. I've got a meeting after this, so uh, we'll, we'll be on good runtime this week. What about you? What, what's your follow-up? What's you got from last week? Well, listeners may not know this because if I did my job well, uh, it was edited out. But uh, last week, Stu and I, well, while we were recording, our show notes started doing incredibly weird and wonderful things. Apparently, I started deleting things. And then my computer was started freezing and started flashing. It looked like a disco ball. Remember, remember discos from the 80s, Stu? I do. Uh, anyway, my, my computer locked up. Um, I did actually. This is why I have the Super Nuts recording setup that I do because I, I have a spare, but, um, my computer locked up and I realized the problem for this. Cause I, I did some, some digging. Now I use my other computer all week long and on a Thursday morning, when we come to record, I switch them over because this one is the one that I use. It's got all my software plugged in for, uh, audio editing and audio recording. Well, Ventura was released on Monday which is fine. I have automatic updates turned off. However, because I only open my computer on Thursday morning, just before we started recording every other app in the world that I have on my computer decided that, oh, we need to push our Ventura releases. So what was happening? And I think uh, Adobe, uh, you know, I love hate, um, but yeah, I think Adobe was the particular pig in that mix, but, um, all of these updates all at the same time caused my system to actually lock up and freeze. So I have a moral out of this because you, the listener will not have heard any of this because Stu and I worked around it and I, I even went blind for the end of the, 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 um, recording because I had no notes. They, they locked up and crashed. It was, it was brutal. If you have a multi-computer setup, I would say multi-Mac, but I would even say that if you've got a home computer and a work computer, perhaps you're using the work computer because it's set up and you use it from work from home all the time. Let's say you want to go anywhere, whether it's just to a coffee shop, whether it's a trip, whether it's a vacation, wherever you're going. Turn on your computer sometime the day before to make sure that you have all of your software updates installed. I mean, I'm on gigabit ethernet and it really killed my computer. If you're on dodgy coffee shop, Wi-Fi, or even worse, if you're tethering to your cell phone, gosh only knows uh, what a mess that would make of your operating system. I understand windows does well, last time I used windows, it was what update Tuesday or something like that. So I know they do something like that. Um, Mac, obviously Ventura time, it goes crazy point releases. I'm assuming probably have the same problem. I've just never hit it before. Um, so there you go. There's a, a, a moral from my dilemma. I also realized too. I could see why Mac does not have a built-in cell connection because if it goes wild like that, whew, it's crazy. Oh wait. Yeah. But I mean, you would have thought that's, that's a solved problem. You could should be able to educate your Mac when to, to allow upgrades and when not to, but I, it, it is crazy this time of year. 
um, you know, my home pods are going bananas again. Um, and I had some sort of real life consequences. So when, when I go out, when, um, Margaret and I are both out, then the dogs are sort of confined to a certain part of the house. Uh, and we, we give them, give them chill jazz, Justin. That's what they have. A bit of chill jazz just to keep them chill. To go with the cigarette and the cognac. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's Charlie you're thinking of that. I'm just thinking of him sitting in your chair with the sunglasses on. <laughs> chill jazz. I could just see Charlie doing that. Well, when, when I came back today, there was no music because, you know, something had tripped out. Who knows what? Um, my, uh, my HomePod pair down here in the office is doing that whole thing with podcasts again, where you get, a, it stops, it starts, you get a funny sound, it won't change. And it's just all so tiresome. And the only thing you can do about it is just go, well, you know, it's Apple. Give it a while. It'll be all right. Mm. And I, I usually I think it's a couple of months until it all settles down, depending on what point release, et cetera, et cetera. And I just sit here raging going, you know, <laughs> this shouldn't happen with a company that big. These things should not happen. But there you go. What uh, Such is life. Are you, are you running... Uh, the latest version on your phone, the late, whatever it is, 16.1. Yes. Can you airplay off your phone? Uh, yeah, that's how I do the vast majority, certainly podcasts. I airplay off my phone because mm. getting, um, the lady in the box to play from the app, cause I use overcast, um, uh, involves some sort of secret incantation. And I think you have to stand on one leg and throw salt. But I can't, I can't remember. I have several HomePod pairs around. And the little AirPlay menu where you swipe up and you say, play to this pair, mm -hmm. doesn't select. You can select any one in the list and it goes to the top item only. Cool. Which means that I have now taken to the ultra um, old way of doing things of having to walk around tapping my phone on the top of whatever ball is lying around that I want to actually listen to the music. I don't know what it is. It is, it's so frustrating. I mean, th these are things that worked. Why do they not work anymore? It's, mm. yeah, it's very strange. It's not that anything is working any better ever. It's just, you know, since I bought all the home pots, airplay has just gone down and down and down. I don't get it. And I've, it frustrates me, but anyway, I won't rant anymore. We'll move on. <laughs> yes. No more Apple. No. Well, I'm not going to, not going to say that. What's your tool of the week, Stu? Is that on Apple? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I had one of those weeks. I've, I've been, um, I don't think I've been so unproductive for days in a row ever as I have been this week. Um, I've, I've been really good at eating. I'm prepared to say that. Um, oh. Uh, but that's about it. I've, I found myself, uh, having naps at nine o'clock in the morning. I mean, what a weird time to have a nap. Um, I've, I've been sort of, um, re-looking at, at tasks. Oh yeah. What should I use to manage my tasks? Cause that's an important thing. I mean, I've got a system that works. Let, let's break that. And you know, notes, I'm still quite frustrated with notes. Where should they go? And wouldn't it be good if they lived with writing? Shouldn't writing and notes live together? And what about if that was with tasks? Um, and so the few hours that I was prepared to do anything constructive, I mucked about with notes, tasks, and writing. 
um, and consequently got absolutely. Um, I felt a lot better today, largely because I haven't even tried to do anything today. I just went and played golf. Um, but yes, yeah, very strange, peculiar place in which I've, I'm going to put it down to the clocks changing. I've got jet lag. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, what I did find was one of those terrible conundrums. So I found a lovely app for writing. Um, it's called Paper. That's it. Um, and you can get it on the, the app store um, and there will be a link in show notes. And it's really nice, very minimal, stripped down. It's a beautiful app. It really, really is. But then it stops sort of working properly. A little pop-up comes saying, so how do you feel about going pro? Um, and to get the full functionality, you have, to, you have to go pro, which is fine. You know, you understand that people need to make money. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's £4.49 a month Oof. or... £44.99 per annum or £89.99 for life. Mm. Um, and it's, it's, it's a one-man band uh, in, uh, in Estonia, I think. And, you know, don't get me wrong, I, 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 I pay for a lot of software and I don't have a problem paying for software. And it's not dissimilar, I suppose, from the cost of things like Ulysses or... Um, but it is, it just struck me as a lot for something so minimum, if you see what I mean. Um, so I'm, my jury is out on that particular uh, expenditure at the moment. It's, I like it. I love it. But do, do I love it more than, say, IA writer formatted and stripped down? I think Lisa knows what I'm, where I'm coming from. Um, Lisa, Lisa Spannenberg, who said to me, she said something in her tweet that just chimed with me is, yeah, I tried Obsidian, but I just couldn't get past how ugly it is. <laughs> and and that's, that's very much where I am with it. I, all of my Readwise, uh, sorry, all of my Kindle highlights go through a service called Readwise and land in Obsidian. And that's incredibly useful. That's a great place for me to use for notes because, you know, a lot of notes come from where, what I'm reading. But it's just so ugly. So I'm I'm putting some time into trying to beautify it a bit. You know, can I can I turn things on and turn things off just to make it a little more appealing to my sort of aesthetic desires? Um, otherwise, I suspect I'll be buying paper. But it it is an, a, a Markdown editor, and it works off of uh, a folder on your hard drive. So um, mm, tempting. Mm. What about you? What's been your tool of the week? Well, apparently I'm looking at new editing tools. Thank you, Stu. You're welcome. Uh, I've, I've been, instead of installing things, I've been actually deleting things. Oh. After my Mac's meltdown last week, I went to clean my Mac's X10, whatever it's called. Hmm. And I spent some time in the uninstaller part of that. I found some old 32-bit apps. Uh, I tr- found a whole bunch of things. Uh, setup is great. You can try a whole bunch of things. Uh, but then you try it, and yeah, I don't even remember what it's for, but it's still on my computer wanting an update when the new version comes out. So I deleted tons of apps that I have had over the years. Now, 
none of those were really, really big. I, I, I mean, I've, I've got to say when I look at the Microsoft stuff, that's very tempting to delete and, you know, some of the Adobe stuff, particularly Adobe updater stuff, which I hate. Um, yeah, I wanted to get rid of that as well, but I, I felt productive getting rid of things. It's like, if it doesn't add any value to me, why am I using it? I also got creeped out a little bit. Um, I've been using the timing app. It's just called timing mm -hmm. for just kind of taking a look and seeing um, how productive I've been. And they've started doing a new thing that once a week, they send you an email with a summary of what you did last week. Mm -hmm. Why the heck do they have my data on their servers that they can email me? So they had, yeah, you know, including where do you, what apps you used, what uh, websites you were at, where you spent the most amount of time. And I just thought that was creepy. And you know what? That's way too much more than I had given them for. And I'm not sure where in the upgrade cycle, because I've been running this for many years, uh, they started keeping stuff on, on their servers instead of locally on my computer. But uh, it made me feel uncomfortable. So getting rid of apps, uh, needless to say, I quickly uninstalled that one because I don't have any great problem with local stuff telling me how I did, but I don't really want that data. Every website you go on your computer, every app you open on your computer, uh, going somewhere else in the cloud, you know, that's, that's just too creepy for me. So that's gone. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of, uh, paring down my, my digital life in some ways, the opposite of Stu, who's still installing new, new applications and contemplating paying for them. <laughs> yeah, indeed, I do do have a few of those going on, but um, I am um, right now looking at <laughs> timing and getting it off my machine. That that is quite scary. I thought it was all entirely local. I did as well, and uh, then it was like, okay, well, how can you e email me a summary with that detail on it? And that just really, anyway, it's gone. So there you go. I mean, could could, could they um, sort of just have a little template that dives into your? computer and says, right, give me that info and I'll put it on an, mm, no, they could do, but, uh, that just, it's a big red flag for me. And you know what? I've, I've got my system down at that. That was a great app for showing me how much I, how productive I was, but, uh -huh. um, that value, uh, is, is quickly eliminated once you look at your personal data. You know, that's, that's something that's much more important than the utility of what I was getting out of that app. So bye-bye. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just gone from my computer as well <laughs> as we were speaking. Cause yes, you're quite right. You don't want that, all that stuff being shared with people. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so delete things. It's, it's fun. Uh, clean my Mac X. It, it is part of setup. Mm -hmm. Um, it is one of the best Mac apps now, you know. I remember the old days of windows where you have to go in and defrag and all that stuff. Oh yes. The old defrag. Um, clean my Mac X is not anywhere near that strong, but it's great for just cleaning stuff out. Um, and one of the things it does do is properly un uninstalls applications. Uh, so, you know, you can, in Mac, you can delete some stuff, 
but there are some leftover things that get left around and clean my Mac X is really good for that. So I would recommend that, you know, things that I had thought I'd deleted, uh, you know, I dragged the, I dragged the application from the applications folder into trash, recycled it. There was a bunch of little stuff just kicking around, just clutter. But over time that adds up. I mean, when you've been using Macs for as long as Stu and I have, um, you collect an entire bunch of cruft. So it is something I recommend. It's uh, it's it's a dang good product. Agreed. Yep, fully agree. I use it. I try and uh, run a scan every week, but mm, I sometimes slip. Ah, uh, well, crazy. Let's get on some good stuff, Stu. What are you writing with this week? Uh, I'm loving it this week. I'm I'm full sailor, so I have my 1911 is still going with uh, that that very pleasing sort of green ink, the the Wagner by uh, Diamond, and I inked up the Sailor Pro Gear, the Sailor Pro Gear regular. So that's the oh I can't remember what it was called, Sunset Over the Ocean or something, uh, which which has got Diamine blue black in it, my sort of box standard uh, ink. Yes, loving that Japanese gold nib and and even the Japanese steel nib is lovely. Mm -hmm. Well, I still have a lot of stuff inked up, but I finally killed off my Visconti. Man, oh man, do vacuum fillers have huge reservoirs? <laughs> yes, indeed they do. Yeah, I've got a Twisby that <laughs> you fill it up and you think, this is never going to end. Yeah, fountain pen of the year, I think, for those. Jeez. So I did kill it off. I was more than happy to put that in its place in my, in my drawer. I'm still sparkling, but I did something that I haven't done in a while, Stu. I killed off a Blackwing Pearl this week. I'm down below, uh, into stub territory, below Steinbeck stage. Oh, well, there we go. I, and I, I absolutely loved it. I haven't, haven't written as much with a pencil in a long time. I quite enjoyed it. Uh, but yeah, stubby. Uh, it's cool. Do you have a stub jar? Uh, I used to. Um, I... Uh... I had two going. So I had uh, a stub jar and a golf pencil jar. So before stub, you get to golf pencil, in my view. So once you're just past Steinbeck, then it's golf pencil. Then a few rounds of golf, or quite a few rounds of golf, depending on the pencil, uh, it goes down to stub. So I had two loads of that until eventually I had to look myself in the mirror and say, hmm, how many rounds of golf do you expect to play before you die? Um, and so I just gave, gave them away. Uh, and the stubs... Uh, I, I, we, we had a service of remembrance, but they were consigned to the recycling. Oh, did you keep all the, um, ferals and races and everything like that? Or did they all go to? No, they all went to a moment of silence for all the hack wings out there. <laughs> all right, Stu, let's get on to our topic. The economics of notebooks, pocket or otherwise. All right, Stu. Hmm. I, I think you are probably much better uh, positioned to talk about the economics of notebooks, owning a notebook store. Do you want to lead off on this one? Sure. Um, okay. Well, I'm going to think, you know, from, from the point of view of the, the, you know, the professional side, the, the worky side of it all, um, Nero's notes. That's my, my, my web store that sells lovely notebooks, pencils, the, the old pen, um, really is about discretionary spending. Uh, however much we, we talk about the, 
the the joy of using a notebook it is discretionary you know the world doesn't stop turning if you stop buying a notebook and if you are you know financially feeling it the strain a little bit you can generally go to your walmart or your tesco or or whatever and get yourself a perfectly acceptable notebook for not very much money um whereas you know nero's lives off shipping field notes halfway across the world and selling them to people um it's you know it's it's a discretionary thing and right now that is under pressure um you know the bank of england uh, today announced that it's expecting the uk to have its longest ever recession um not necessarily its deepest ever recession but its longest one so they're, they're predicting at least two years of um what in the united states i think is sometimes called negative growth um so that's that's going to be tough for people inflation is running at 10 percent plus uh interest rates have just jumped up to three percent in the uk uh, as a base rate um and you know it's it's going to get worse before it gets better i would suggest so you know we're seeing that at Eros. i i can see the the trends i can see that we're we're doing less transactions and those that we are doing are smaller so uh, that's not great news in terms of the revenue side of the business and from a cost side of the business um you know the sort of recent instability of sterling has made things a little bit difficult when we're buying from uh, either Europe or the United States. So, yeah, it's it's a tough time to be in the notebook business, is, is what I would say. Uh, tough time to be in many businesses, to be honest with you, though. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't think we're we're at all different from anyone else who relies on uh, discretionary spending. Uh, I think it's probably quite good to be in the oil business or the electricity business. There, they seem to be doing okay at the minute. Um, the other thing, the the thing I wanted to touch on was I'm not sure that that's everything that's going on mm-hmm. um so uh the example i used there's a, there's a seminal book which if you haven't read it then you should um it's called the revenge of the analog by david Sachs. um i'll i'll dig a link out in a minute while uh <laughs> while justin's talking um it's a lovely lovely book best best read i think with the book itself rather than digitally um Oh, welcome to my world, Stu. <laughs> reading, reading on a real book. Indeed. And it's all about... Yes, I have that in hardcover. Are you? Okay, yeah, me too. So uh, it is all about the various analog technologies that sort of came steaming back uh, through the noughties. Well, even, I suppose, the late 90s, you could argue. But the noughties and the, whatever you could call the next ones, the tens. Um, teens. Yes, the teens. Um and it was published in 2016, which I would say was close to the sort of high point of the, the analog boom. Um, it's 2022 now, and I get the feeling that that's just tailed away a little bit. Um, and that comes partly from, from you know, the sphere that I'm most interested in, sort of stationary. Uh, but also, I think, if you look at vinyl sales, um, they're still very robust, but they've stopped growing at the rates they were growing. Um, curiously, you're seeing a huge lift now in CD sales, um, which is, I suppose, oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> analog people like me would consider them as digital, but I suppose they are analog in a way. Um, so I'm, I'm just wondering whether 
the whole sort of renaissance of the analog is in that space now where it's it's not quite niche anymore because it got a bit broader based and it's not quite a commodity yet um i mean i do have a couple of suppliers who've come to me uh you know will you sell our notebooks um we've agreed terms i start selling the notebooks and then i get customers coming to me saying yeah but those are cheaper on amazon mm. and then i go to the, the 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 manufacturer or distributor and say are you selling on amazon oh yeah okay so you <laughs> you know, you're, you're undercutting all of the retailers because you can sell it cheaper directly on Amazon. Um, and for me, that's bad news because customers feel unhappy because they feel I'm profiteering. Um, you know, it's, it kind of kills the brand. It commoditizes the brand. So if you look at people like Field Notes, um, whenever I make an order from Field Notes, I get the same email telling me that I may not sell it on eBay or on Amazon or, you know, because they don't want their brand to be commoditized. And it's, uh, I, I, I don't know, I could be wrong, but I get the feeling that the tide is slightly turning against, um, those sort of analog pursuits like film photography, vinyl, um, stationery. I, I, I'm not sure the, the sort of there was a huge wave that Nero's was riding on in 2017, and I'm not sure that that's still there anymore. Hmm. I don't know. I may be wrong. It might just be, as you say, a downturn in in people spending generally and and difficulty in in maintaining discretionary spend. But hmm, we'll see. I, I do know of a of a competitor to Nero um, who uh, is also a friend. Uh, and they will be they will be closing down this year. Um, they haven't told their their customers yet, so I'm not going to reveal who it is. But um, they will be gone by the end of the year. Mm. Which, obviously, from my point of view, as as a competitor, okay, one less of them is is never too bad a thing. But I generally think that that's indicative of where the space, uh, you know, the the space in the market is 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 it's tough out there right now. Oh, I can imagine. Um... I guess looking at this from, from my perspective, I wonder how much of this is COVID related, mm -hmm. how much of this is discretionary spending. Things are getting a lot more expensive. And I wonder how much of this was exactly, as you said, there was a boom. Um, and even, even some of the, I wonder if we were doing a beanie baby boom. God, don't say that three times fast. Wow. <laughs> but you you remember the the beanie babies? They were a thing. Everybody was buying them. They were releasing and releasing. And, and you were paying hundreds of dollars for them. And then all of a sudden you had this box of, well, little ragtag stuffies sitting around because the market mm -hmm. fell out from it. I, I kind of wonder how much of it is that as well. I guess for me, let's, you know, I, economics numbers, I could do this in a spreadsheet. Oh, this could be real fun, Stu. <laughs> um, but let's not do that. Let's, let's just look into sort of what I'm, I want to kind of sort of look at it and say, what am I doing and how am I indicative of the rest of the world? So I'm, I'm still not buying much pocket notebooks, pencils, subscriptions. 
nothing has really jumped out to me. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, one of the, the big ones is when I got into collecting field notes and black wings, they were, they were hard to get. They were special. They felt, you know, you were a part of a little club. And I think this is kind of where you're talking about the peak of the revenge of the analog in that 2016, 2017 sort of, sort of era where you were, you were buying things as they came out and you didn't have 10 boxes on the shelf. You kind of had one or two boxes and they felt good. They, they still do. I, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm playing with the stub of the pearl as we're talking, mm -hmm. but they got too much and you started collecting them because, well, there's a new one every quarter and like Pokemon, you got to catch them all. Um, and you know, I don't know about you, but I don't use a box of pencils every quarter anymore. Uh, it's been a while since I've done that. Then the brands that I liked and was passionate about started diversifying and becoming businesses. They got too successful in some ways, you know, and, and, and it's no longer a game of just finding what you want and picking a copy up because you want to have one. It became a collectibles game and the collectibles game. Well, personally, it turns me off, you know, oh, well, you know, if, if you've ever seen, uh, the debtors prints or something like that, mm. they come and they go within two hours and then there's a bunch of trading online. There's a bunch of instant markup items and eBay profiteering, and it just kind of takes the, the fun out of it. You know, it, it's no longer about you buying a notebook to use and enjoy it's now, well, if I use this notebook. How much am I, how much is it worth? Yes. I paid, you know, $20 for a pack of three. So it's, it's worth just under $7, but really this is a $35 notebook because I could sell the three pack for a hundred dollars on eBay. Those kind of math go into your mind when you're using those and, and, and they get confusing. And all of a sudden, why are you collecting things? Well, I'm collecting them because they have residual value. Um, and, and it's changed the nature of an enjoyable tool. And I think there's a lot of the subscription based products that have kind of got that way. Uh, the other thing I've seen is, well, everybody has got on board with the same model. Okay. Well, we've got one model. We're just going to change the color and we're going to release it. Twisby. I don't need my 32nd Twisby Eco because it has a different color cap. It's, it's really not that special to me because one fine nibbed Twisby Eco is the same as another, whether it's green, whether it's red, whether it's blue. Um, and I think that has come to the point where people that really want to have stuff already have a version of it. You know, pocket notebooks, if you're not using them, uh, I don't even want to think about how many sealed packs of pocket notebooks I have kicking around. Um, I, I don't need to buy any more. So I think for me, that's one of the, the biggest barriers. Uh, one of the other big barriers at the moment, particularly is shipping cost. 
shipping well, to me because I don't have any local stationery, and I know Nero's is predominantly shipping based. Shipping has got really, really expensive. Mm -hmm. Bringing stuff in from the U.S., um, you know, I, I cancel my field notes subscription because it used to. I used to have to pay, which may not be too much, but you know, an additional twenty to thirty percent of the subscription cost in additional shipping to Canada, and it was taking six to eight weeks after the release date for me to get a field notes. Well, the excitement of the new field notes has gone away by that point. What I have is a, okay, I've got a notebook that everybody else has posted on Instagram for the last, you know, two months. Um, and, and that kind of, why am I paying for that? It doesn't make sense. Uh, so Amazon, even for all of their evilness, gets a lot of my business because of convenience of cost. Now, they don't sell pocket notebooks. They might have Moleskine, but... We will talk about those uh, up here. That's not a big deal, but I really have a good, a good base of those if I want to use them. Uh, just to give you some idea, I, I walked upstairs the other day. My wife had a field notes. I can't remember which one it was, but it was one of those that goes for a hundred bucks on eBay mm -hmm. um, and a black wing sitting at the kitchen table and she's using them. And it just made me smile because you know what? That's really when we got excited about stationary and analog that was what it was about was using something special and I, I think perhaps the success of the mainstreaming of field notes black wings fountain pens for a lot of things has has just kind of killed the specialness of it you know uh, what do you think about that Stu uh, how do you feel yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a whole load of things going on there. I mean, one, as you say, there's uh, if you if you like the sort of resale collecting market, um, and you lean into that, then it's great fun, fantastic, and you know you're you're buying and selling, and you're looking and you go, oh wow, I've made a hundred bucks. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna. For everyone else, that sort of activity leaves a bit of a bad taste because, as you say. Uh, data prints comes out um probably 40 buyers take the entire run um and 30 of them are looking to resell and you know to make money on a secondary market and if you're not into that game and you don't want to pay 100 bucks for for a notebook then you just think oh well i can't get them and it, so certainly if you're a completionist then the game is is up for you you don't want to play anymore um and that i think turns some people off but as i say also turn some people on uh the other thing was that field notes and the sort of uh, I, i've always said to people about neros um when it comes to to notebooks um consumers buy the story they don't buy the notebook they buy the story because a notebook is a notebook is a notebook particularly if it's a pocket notebook which is you know essentially a few bits of paper stapled together um it's the story that people buy into. It's Aaron Draplin and his design thoughts, his desire to get back to that sort of basic function of those uh, notebooks that were given out with agricultural products. That that whole concept is what sold it. Um, and then you have um, you know excellent podcasters like Take Note, where you know they they celebrate 
taking notes in a pocket notebook and what that means and just a, a something they overheard in a coffee shop and, and that's great that that whole sort of narrative is what people buy however pocket notebooks ultimately are bits of paper stapled together and once you own enough of them and Justin I and I can speak with some authority on this it occurs to you that it's just another pile of paper that's been stapled together slightly different cover and you can do quirky and interesting things but to set yourself as field notes have done the aim of each quarter as a minimum coming out with a great story that people want to buy using nothing more than paper and a staple that's a challenge that's a challenge of creativity and some of their their editions come out and Justin, Stuart, and perhaps many of you go, no, not really. And that's a, you know, that's a real challenge. Likewise, pencils. The Blackwing. Remember when Blackwing came back? This, oh, this old new pencil, it's back. And it's the history of it. Look at, listen to to my my co-host, TJ Cosgrove. Look him up on YouTube, Um, his, his graphite channel. Wooden graphite, it's called. Um, incredible. The, the history, the detail, how pencils are made, where they came from. Oh, this is amazing. Well, now it's kind of, uh, it's, it's another really nice pencil with a sort of flat eraser. And oh, they've wrapped it in something else. It's difficult for them to be interesting and creative because essentially they're giving you the same pencil with a different wrap no offense blank wing hmm. and so i think for all of those businesses there is a real challenge in keeping those stories going and it's the stories that people buy um and inevitably because they're businesses they they then think okay well so you know how can we grow how can we find more business all right okay let's start doing collabs um which is you know good old fashioned making corporate pencils or corporate notebooks, um, which make them a little bit broader, but perhaps as you say, devalue the sort of collectory feel to them, the quirky feel to them. It's just another notebook. So if you look at what's happened to, to Moleskine or Moleskine or whatever you want to call them, um, everything that made the Moleskine exciting and interesting again was really the story and, and the company that bought it, um, or bought the rights to that name was a marketing company in in Italy. Mm-hmm. So all Moleskine notebooks are made either in Thailand or in Vietnam or in Cambodia, um, depending on who's offering the best prices at the time. And that's why the paper quality is uh, sketchy, is unfair, inconsistent. And so that then turns people off who like to use fancy. But you know, all of this stuff all I think contributes to to making it hard and. Where does, where does the, where does the money go now? I think it probably stays at the top end. So I think Mont Blanc will continue to sell pens. Um, I think, as you've pointed out, people will probably tire of buying more and more Twisbees. Um, diaries, you know, we spoke about the Economist diary or, um, oh, I can't remember who I was thinking of now. Smithson. That's it, Smithson's. Um, you know, I think those guys will continue 
to to rumble along as they always have. But at that that sort of more affordable end, that sort of innovative, let's buy the story end, I think they're struggling. Um, there are new people coming to market. You know, I'm I'm talking to someone at the moment, and they've got uh, they come to you with you know oh, I've got this notebook and it does this, and you think okay, it's a notebook. Um, and I say to myself, so what's the story? Because it's, it's a really nice notebook. Good. Okay. People won't buy a really nice notebook. They want to buy the story. And that I think is going to be the challenge, particularly as we've, we've already sort of harked on about, um, with usage having changed over COVID. I mean, I think you can't underestimate that. I love pocket notebooks and always carried a pocket notebook. But COVID changed that because I wasn't really going out anywhere and most of my notes were going elsewhere. And um, if I'm not going to be going out and taking notes, I don't know. It just sort of fell away from from use. Maybe that all will come back. I don't know. Hmm. Um, but I, th- I think it's going to be a very, very challenging time for those brands and those businesses, particularly, as you say, because they, they all have staff now. They have teams that they have to pay. They have uh, overheads that they have to cover. Uh, and they're gonna struggle i suspect i think you're right about the story i was thinking about that as you were talking and the story that feeling of of using something special i mean let's face it we we all bought a notebook or many of us bought a notebook originally a moleskin with the idea of that was going to be the greatest novel ever that you sit and write and there you go um well i could tell you that my writing has not improved from the use of a notebook pocket or otherwise. Uh, but that, that I think, you know, I, as a, as an adult, I remember, I think the Moleskine was one of the reasons I fell back in love with stationery, mm-hmm. you know, because having that little black book, that, that the semi flexible one. Yep. Soft cover. Shorter than an A5, taller. Um, with that little black strap around it. Oh, that just, that just, it resonated. And mm-hmm. the field notes, same thing. They resonated. The, the black wings, they resonated. Uh, like you, I mean, I carry a field notes in my pocket every time I go out. Um, I can't remember the last time I went and sat in a coffee shop just to think and write, mm-hmm. you know, occasionally my field notes gets used, but I've probably been using the same field notes for six months. And I don't even think I'm at staple day yet. Yeah. Um, just because it is used for, well, let's say it's used for a list of things for shopping. Well, I could put the same thing in drafts and it's quicker and I could do it on my computer and I don't have to go upstairs and drag out that where, where's, where's my notebook. It's, oh, it's in the drawer with my wallet and with my keys there's my notebook that I'm going to take out. I could just do it downstairs on my phone while I'm working. Here's a list of things I need. My usage just changed, um, you know, and and that is a real legacy of of COVID, and and certainly part of the thing that I think about in terms of the economics. I I mean, I see I see numbers uh, of coffee shops. Uh, you know, one of the the chains of business that I work for is a group of coffee shops. And I do see this recovery there. Uh, it's just, you know, perhaps certain people, certain lifestyles working from home, you're not out. If you're out already, 
then stopping off is less of an issue. Mm -hmm. If you're making the effort to go out, that changes things a little bit. Um, you know, and for me and, and probably for you as well, Stu, we're more remote than the average bear, uh, you know, in a city living for me to go to a coffee shop is a drive. I got to get in the car. I got to drive there. I've got to find parking. I've got to sit down, go and order my drink. I lose, you know, to, to get seated from my office here to, I'm going to go work in a coffee shop. I'm going to lose 20, 25 minutes just to get there. And I don't know about you. I, I mean, certainly the experience would be lovely, but losing 20 to 25 minutes out of a day for change of context sounds lovely. But if I really want to change of context, I'll, I'll go and write at my table in the other room, or I'll go sit out back when it's not minus eight degrees and, you know, uh, it, it changes how I work. And, and I think that's one of the biggest takeaways for me is, yeah, COVID has really taken this chain and made me look at why am I buying things? Am I buying them for the, for the Pokemon thoughts of, I, I want to have them all, which is now impossible because of all the co-brand stuff as you were talking about. I think I'm just happy enjoying the stuff that I, that I have. And you know what? I, I'm not against stationery. If, as, as we know, if there's a story that comes out, I'm going to jump all over it. I just bought, cause I, I really don't need it. The diamine, uh, Christmas, um, advent calendar for this year. I hardly used any of that ink from last year, but I enjoyed that story and the experience. And I think that's the way that we got to get back to using notebooks and, and accoutrements is getting back to that story, getting back to the part that, that resonates with us. I don't think it's dead yet. I think we might've just lost our way for a little bit. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you're absolutely right in, insofar as, I mean, I'm not sort of, you know, throwing all the notebooks out. Um, we're, we, I think, as a sort of microcosm of our little stationary corner of the world, everybody is looking at how they use things. Everybody is looking at the cost of things. Everybody is looking at the amount of stuff that we have. And I think there's probably a whole sort of environmental concern is feeding into that, perhaps subconsciously. but. Um, Mike Hurley on um, the Pan Addict today uh, was talking about um, he's just moved house and moving all his pens. Um, I think he felt very, very uncomfortable with the, um, uh, what's the ballpoint pen that everybody got so excited about? The Retro 51s? Yeah. Uh, he, he said he was, you know, he was pulling handfuls of Retro 51s out of his, his drawer unit. And just feeling increasingly embarrassed he knows he's never going to use them because hmm. one of those writes the same as every other one and you know they they were acquired in that sort of oh let's collect let's complete let's collect let's complete and then you you find yourself with uh, i think probably not far off a hundred of these things going what the heck am i going to do with these now um and i think there is a reappraisal going on where where everybody's looking at that and i'm thinking to myself hang on wouldn't it be nice maybe just to 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 go down to a coffee shop with a 
with a notebook and sit down. I mean, for me, a coffee shop almost invariably here involves a beach, which is no bad place to sit and think, you know, <laughs> looking at the sea. Um, and I'm thinking, you know what, maybe I should do that again. Maybe I should find, make time to do that sort of stuff. But I think what's happened uh, for me, and I think also for my customers, is that people are much more selective. So uh, I noticed a change in what, what things sell, um, what people are interested in. I, I suspect people don't mind paying for the thing they want, um, which, you know, often will be sort of paper quality will be, will be critical. Um, but they're probably not just going to keep picking up field notes for the sake of picking up field notes. Yeah. That, that seems to be what's happening in my store. And, and the other thing I would say is that people are much more price sensitive. So I do get, get a lot of feedback from customers saying, well, yeah, I would buy from you, but you're more expensive than shop A, B, or C. And I'll look at the prices that shop A, B, or C have got, and I go, well, they paid more than that landed. So they're actually selling at a loss. And I suspect they're selling at a loss either because it's a, it's a loss leader for them and they want you to then buy a backpack from their store, which is where they really make money, or they just haven't worked it out <laughs> because currency rates go up and down and it's difficult to keep on top of them. Um, you, you maybe sort of forget the shipping cost or forget the 20% VAT or you know all, all of the things that feed into. Um, I remember when I bought Pocket Notebooks, which is now Nero's Notes, um, and I asked the guys, I said, so what's your margins? And they, they told me. And I sat there, it, Justin, you'd have been so proud of me. I sat there like an accountant and tapped away in my laptop for about two minutes, turned the screen around and went, there's your margins. <laughs> and they were negative. They were losing money. Um, just because they, they, you know, they didn't have a sort of rigorous way of calculating price. So, um, you know, there, there are people in the marketplace that do that. And I understand consumers go, well, you know, I can get my field notes there for £11.50. Why would I pay him £12.50? You know, okay, that's that's what you do. That's what you do. But um, it, yeah, it's not the end, but I think there is a reappraisal. I think that whole sort of wave of collectibles and, you know, the, the ordinary and everyday made special, I think, has probably gone. Yeah. I think people are more interested in finding the special <laughs> for special. All right, then, a little behind the scenes here. Stu and I have lost connectivity, so I'm going to finish up this episode on my own. I've been trying to get a hold of him for a few minutes, so I'm going to have to edit all this together. We don't have any conclusions today because I'm not sure what Stu was going to say. But more importantly, uh, I want to just close up by telling you where you can find us. Uh, so you can find Stu at stuartlennon.com. If you're interested in some notebooks, you want to splurge a little, you want to find a story, go to nerosnotes.co.uk. You can find me at justintwyford.com and you can find more information and links to both of us at stationaryjason.com. Uh, we love your email. Maybe Stu's trying to email me now. Uh, please send us an email, stationaryjason at gmail.com. Uh, please take a moment to like and review our podcast, if you could, and throw a good word out to anybody you think might get something of this. I think it's an interesting discussion, particularly looking at stationery. And if you're this far into a podcast on stationery, chances are you really like stationery the way we do as well. Until next time, goodbye and stay productive.
Yes, us. There you go. You see, you've got my dismount. Uh.